Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. The book of Torah that we've just started, which in English we call Exodus, for obvious reasons, because we are talking about the story of the Exodus from Egypt. But actually the name in Hebrew is completely different. It is Shemot, which means names, because the book begins talking about the names of the uh, sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, who came down to Egypt in the first place, which is where we got to where we are now. So names is a theme that's not just in the human names, but also some very deep commentary about God's names. And in fact, at the beginning of this week's Parsha, which is called Va'era, and Va'era means I appeared, God actually is speaking to Moses and says, Va'era, I appeared, El Avraham, El Yitzhak, El Yaakov, to your, to your descendants, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, with the name El Shaddai, Ushmi, but my real name, says God, is Lahim. I didn't make that name known to them, but I am Moses making that name known to you. Very fascinating narrative. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those divine names. This Parsha is, uh, we have so much we could talk about. There are the, f- the first seven of the ten plagues are in this Parsha that whole incredibly complex idea of Pharaoh's heart being hardened, the pain of people not listening, of Moses and his older brother Aaron trying to plead to Pharaoh to let the people go, all of that. But we're going to talk about names, and I'm here with a really good friend who I'm delighted to be with again, Rabbi Andrew Hahn, Rabbi Andrew Hahn, whose other name (laughs) is the Kirtan Rabbi. He's um, developed an incredible way of bringing uh, an ancient, uh, well, I'll let him say more about what kirtan is, but uh, I'll just say it's a call and response, and he's he's become very popular actually traveling internationally, uh, sharing Jewish uh, kirtan with, with communities around the world, and that's been um, a wonderful experience, I think, for, for all the people, and uh, hopefully for Andrew himself. So it's good to see you, it's Rabbi Andrew Hahn. Hi. Great to be here, Rabbi Mark. What is your name? My name... My Hebrew name is Meir, and my name is uh, Kirtan Rabbi is the trade name, and Andrew Han is Rabbi Andrew Han is my name. It's amazing the names. Yeah. I have my my Hebrew name is Mordechai, and I recently added a, a, another name, Dovbear, after a great great grandfather that I that I was learning about, and then we're known by our names of our parents. And I acknowledge you you just are in your year of mourning for your father. This time last year, I was in that year so mm. I, I wish you strength and comfort you. in your loss there. thank you so much it's been a rough year yes so so what would how do you reflect on this on this interesting subject of names well as as the kirtan rabbi and as uh, and and the the um, form of practice i've been introducing to the jewish world one of the people who are a pioneer in this uh, this form of practice um, names is a very important part of the practice. Even kirtan is a, as you said, call, form a call and response chant that is a yogic practice. It comes out of India, and uh, on one level, it's as you said, call and response, which means that uh, people say, "I sing a line, you sing it back." I, I prefer recently, more recently, to recoin that as 
uh, you listen, I listen. <laughs> because the listening is actually the most important part of it. Uh, and, and, and Another great theme in this portion. Yeah, exactly, listening. Listening and, and not listening. Exactly, and as we'll see in a second. And, and, uh, but it's more than just the call and response. Sometimes people call it continual call and response because it keeps going and keeps developing and keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, and it's about opening up the heart and breaking open it. I say, they sometimes it's called ecstatic chant. And I say, well, what ek in Greek means out. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk about exodus, you know, mm-hmm. coming out. And, and um, so stasis Pharaoh, is getting stuck. If Pharaoh had done kirtan, it would have been a different story. It would have been a different story, I was going to just say. So it's about <laughs> opening up the heart. So it's exactly the opposite, where in this partial we see so much that no matter what Pharaoh sees or hears or, or beholds, or what appears, the era to to him, uh, or to, and to all the people, his heart hardens, and so it's almost the polar opposite of what we're trying to do when we do kirtan. Wow. And and so there's a lot to kirtan more than just um, saying, okay, I'll just sing and you sing back. There's much more. And one of the main things in traditional kirtan, as it comes out of of the land of India, is that what they chant tends to be mm-hmm. names, names of of their pantheon of gods, of, deities, of, yeah. yeah, the deities that and. And that's what you chant for the most part. And, and this becomes um, something of a challenge for us because we, you could say we don't have as many names. But on the other hand, it's interesting that we, it's practically, especially what you just said, where it, this name that God declares that he says, lo, lo lahem, that I didn't make known to your ancestors, but rather... Uh, I, but my name is this yud ke vav ke or yud he vav he that is a name that we do not know how to pronounce anymore. So in a way, <clears throat> kirtan is about uh, getting to the ineffable mm. through the names. And in a way, we have un, a name that we can't even chant in some ways. Mm. So, uh, But you see that a lot in this Parsha. You see... For example, this the second aliyah, the second reading of the, of the are, are again a list of names, and it kind of contrasts to the beginning, as you put when you as you pointed out before, where the the Sefer Shemot, the book of names or of Exodus, begins with the names of the ancestors who came down to Egypt, and suddenly now we have many more names listing all the names that are, who are now uh, two hundred something years later uh, are. Or there's their, they have pru or vu. They have grown and become numerous. And there's all these names. And there's a few different names of God mentioned in this part. I mean, there, we have, as you said, the yud which some people call the tetragrammaton. Right. And the, as you said, the ineffable name. But there's also Elohim, which interestingly is seems to be mentioned by the by Pharaoh and by the magicians, the sorcerers, the chatumim of Pharaoh too. And then there's El Shaddai, which is the name that... God says he did reveal to to the ancestors mm-hmm. and El Shaddai is you know something to do with hills or valleys or some people even say potentially a breasted God because Shaddaiim is, is breasts and could be a sort of nurturing female type God so even though we like to think <laughs> very much uh, that oh that idolatrous all of those deities of Indian culture and so on actually there are there are many many names of gods which some people uh, would suggest that reflect the fact that the um, ancient uh, Near Eastern religions. I'm, I'm using language because I'm still it's still drinking in the my interview uh, last week with Professor Sam Boyd. But you know the the idea that there were there were clearly lots of different gods. And so although we of course Judaism is very much focusing on a on on the one God principle, the fact that that one God has so many names is is such a fascinating idea. And perhaps. 
not that different to different deities in other traditions. We just get phobic about it because they have statues. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we see that also in the in the like in the Greek in the Greek mythology. We see it's very important that you, what we call epithets or or, or names. So it's very important that you say gray-eyed Athena, or you, when, like when you call on a god or a goddess to do something for you that you get the name right and you use the right name and, and we one could do a whole analysis of this Parsha and I think maybe say mm. for Shemot and even elsewhere throughout our, our um, liturgy I mean not our liturgy but the, our, our sacred texts uh, as how these names are used and, and as you I think you just pointed out that uh, when when Moses and Aaron uh, when they do what they do they call on name they, they this is they're they're calling on the name of God mm. and, and always saying let us out and it says right in the beginning it says ki ani Hashem yeah, you yeah. know and that becomes a very important proof like that's the reason well, and it becomes it's it's interesting that the the relationship between the way that they bring supernatural power through God's name into the world and how that's contrasted to what the the magicians what Pharaoh's magicians do because they, they to a certain point they they are copying or mimicking what Moses and Aaron are doing that you know when they turn the staff into the snake and they yeah we can turn our staff into snakes too you know and turn the turn the Nile into into blood yeah we can do that bring frogs yeah we can bring that but then suddenly at the the third plague that we read which is the Kenim which is the lice they can't do it anymore and it's sort of it stops so that it can only go that kind of magic that doesn't draw on divine names perhaps or maybe they draw on different divine names I don't know but that kind of magic can only go so far. Whereas mm. if we're really connected to a divine source, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I'm saying these words, I'm not sure that I really have that kind of intense relationship, but does could that relate to, to a practice of, of kirtan like that? If you're saying that kirtan is in a sense working with divine names, I mean, it's, it's certainly trying to connect us to something way deeper than just uh, you know, a superficial existence or doing magic tricks. For sure, and I, I think it's interesting that when, when you say that that in one of the hallmarks of Israelite, now I'm speaking more from a, my scholarly point of view, the hallmarks of biblical Israelite theology is that God is always in control, no matter what happens. Right. So it's in the behind all this is God is allowing a story, the story to run mm. in this way that the that the magicians, etc., of the Egyptians can also call on something to to do the same thing and yet there is a limit as you say that, that at a certain point that those their the effectiveness of their names runs out and I would say you know it's just you know we're stretching a little here but I would say that yes Kirtan you, you know you're using the names to get beyond the name uh, you know you're you're trying to get to the name beyond the name actually the name beyond the name and that's this yud heh vav that isn't wasn't revealed and it's not immediately revealed so when you if you just it's one. It's such a process, you know, as a prayer davener, as a prayer leader, that that there's a you have to build slowly. Yeah. And so you may be working with quote unquote a certain name or a certain level of thing, and then you take it to the next place and the next place. And at a certain point, where you're where you're aiming toward is to to shed all these other names to get to the name beyond the name. And I find this interesting. You know, as you mentioned, I'm in Avelut, I'm in mourning. That in the Kaddish, in the Kaddish Yatom, the mourners Kaddish. Um, there's no mention. There's no name of God in it, but all of the verbs, all these reflexive verbs and, and the synonyms about lifting up and making great and making bigger and calling, uh, are a, the the subject of them all is the Shmei Rabbah, the great name. Yeah. So, 
in a certain way, you know, uh, I think that Hebrew theology and Hebrew language is great for kirtan because mm-hmm. it, it's really saying not only do we have so many names, we also have this name mamish be, really beyond the name. Right, and of course there's a tradition of saying rather than trying to even attempt to pronounce that ineffable name, we say Hashem, which just means the name, the name exactly. which is the same as Yehei Shemei Rabbah, like the name, just, you know, Baruch Hashem, blessed is the name, which is not any attempt to pronounce God's name, it's just acknowledging that there is a name that we don't know its full depth or mystery. Yeah, it's, and, and yeah, and they say Bietzer Hashem, with that, with the, yeah. you know, within the will of, or with the help yeah. of the name, yeah. and, but yeah, there's, it's, and it's, you know, Maimonides in the Morei Nebuchim, in the Guide of the Perplex, uh, I think like Book 1, Chapter 61, something like this, he, he says that there is one person in each generation who knows how to pronounce the mm. name. And he, sick, because that's how they looked at it, that person, maybe she now, I hope, uh, will, will pass it on to another person. Mm. And, and, and so there's, there, there is the, also this tradition that somebody knows the name. And it's interesting that... that what is God revealing? I'm asking you now. I don't mm. know. Just what is God saying that I, that I showed this name to you, and I didn't show it to your mm. to your ancestors? What is, what name is it? Is it a name that they know how to pronounce or not? I don't know. But the, the power of names, and you see it because, as I as you said, the the first ones were mortal names, and then we talk about God's names, and then we say in the second part of it that with all the names of the people who are mm. there now. And one of the other thing I notice about the Kaddish is is there's nothing worse than you can say. There's no greater curse word, so to speak, that you can say in Judaism. It, worse than any four-letter word we have in English or in any other language. That The worst thing you could say to someone is, about someone is, Yimach Shemo. Shemo, right. May that person's, in other words, that the name be wiped out May from the memory of God. Erased, yeah. From the, that, that's, that's the worst thing you could say to, about somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you see this and you see the power of the name that it can do things in this Parsha yeah. as you say it's interesting you're saying like what does it mean that God's saying you know I'm revealing something to you that I didn't real, reveal to generations before and then later on um, in the book of Bamidba in the book of Numbers we get this extraordinary passage where God instructs Moses to tell the his brother Aaron and the and the and the, the priests the Kohanim to use this name as as the source of the blessing of the people, and and then the tradition of the you know the the Kohanim being the only ones who have the secret of of that name, and of course on on Yom Kippur when the the holiest day and the holiest space and the holiest person sort of coincide um, in this synchronicity, this that that's when the the high priest would would say would say the name in the Kadosh Kadoshim in the in the in the Holy of Holies. And like if 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 he was not in a state of complete purity, he would die on the spot because that name had so <laughs> yes. much power, you know. And and that and that's the one time of the year it said right. And yes. And so we have a, a memory of that where we whisper Baruch Shem Kavod this this little piece right after the Shema that we whisper or don't even say aloud, and then once in the year we do as a remnant of that because we've either yeah. never known or have lost the name. Yeah. I'd also add that. Um, you ask why all these plagues you know why all these different uh why hardening pharaoh's heart why why is god do what is the plan here you know and and uh it, you would say well these plagues are to convince pharaoh to 
let the people let my people go, so to speak, and let them go. But it says later. Um, in order the that they can worship Laman, God's name. Yeah, Laman Saper Shemi Bechol Ha'aretz. In order that my name might be told through all the earth. And that's actually, I think, in this parsha. I just thought this this moment, is yeah. that's maybe the essence of this parsha. All the other stuff is, yeah, of course we, we want to go out. And of yeah. course we want to be the slaves to be free. But the, the, the raison d'etre, the, the, the thing that God says is, why am I doing all this? Why am I hurting? The, it would be one thing if it wouldn't work. If Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said, uh, let my people go, and he said, sure, go. You know, it needs this process. There's a struggle. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing comes easy. And also with the kirtan, if we want to go back to that, these chants build slowly. They It takes a yeah. lot of effort and time and in order to get to that, uh, letting the name go out. But it's so, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's hard, I mean, uh, for me not to make a slight association. I mean, of course, I, I don't think it's what the Torah intends at all, but it's sort of like a, a sort of negative association that I had would have with names is excessive branding. Mm-hmm. Like certain like people. Pe- <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I'm thinking more yeah. of certain people in high offices who have buildings with, with in big letters their name all over. You know, it's like this idea of, having my name I want my name to be out in the world kind of thing it's like you know that's names are so important obviously I mean in human in a human sense our names are such an integral part of our identity you know whether it's whether we're named through our ancestors you know often we're named after a a, you know a a grandparent or another ancestor or whether we're, you know, we we are known also by the by the name of our parents, um, you know. In some cultures, people are known by the name of their oldest child. You know, Abu Abu Mazen is, you know, the father of Mazen. So it's like that that whole idea that names and identity and lineage and ancestry, all of those things, kind of interconnect. But there's also this idea that if a name is part of my identity and I'm sort of insecure in my identity, I want everyone to know my name, know my name, know my name, know my name. Mm. But also. We all want to have our name known because we want to be known in the world. So there's an intimacy. I mean, the relationship clearly between God and Moses, there's something very intimate about it. And so, you know, totally in contrast to what I just said about that that sort of, you know, exaggerated sense of name. But there's this sense of like Moses, Moses gets to experience something of, of God's essence in a way that no one else has before. And that essence is transmitted in part by the name. And that, and, and the knowledge of that essence allows the real project to begin, of of what is the of, real project the, of, of the coming out from slavery and the, right. the and and the the dialogue with evil. Because yeah. what you're talking, there's a perversion of letting the name be spread throughout all the earth. Is what you were talking about when a human being takes his or her name and wants it put on every building and in every place around. That's a different thing than God's, you know, saying we're, we're going we want God's essence to be everywhere. It's a very different thing yeah. than to say, I want my essence everywhere versus... Right. So that's a really good point. By Yom Ha'hu, yeah. Adonai Echad Ushamo Echad. Like right. God's name will be one. God's name will be somehow known everywhere. Not not just because of the branding of God's name, but what that name represents, which is the idea of a complete unity of of existence. Is, I mean, is that the idea? I don't know. I think that's really good, and I think that that's the whole idea. Is that the end when you, and this is an aspirational, almost 
future wish that yeah. all the names will come into one. Yeah, l'shem yehud. Exactly. <laughs> like this idea that the 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 yud hey the vav and the hey are actually two names that are brought together. Like there's this unification between the masculine essence and the feminine essence coming together in this divine name also. And the transcendent and the imminent and mm. all all of that is in this and um, and it's interesting. I think Pharaoh, you know, it's it's akin to what's going on maybe in some areas today where Pharaoh is the perversion of that name and what we really when that name is revealed the way you so beautifully put it it's going to be because all the hearts are open mm. and and not hardened and so Pharaoh is acting from a place of hardenedness and, and because for Pharaoh there is no God because in that world he was God I mean for there, so there's no there there there's no other place to go so the idea of of softening a heart and using spiritual practice, whether it's kirtan or just resonating with these with these divine names, is is that the heart is, you know, that that it's the the place where we can conduct that that spiritual energy, but it's not the end the end point. Pharaoh's heart is such a coarse place. I mean, we, that's wow, you're really making me think about what I do, and in a way, Rabbi, is because you, you say aniva afsiod, you know, that me and nothing else other than that's the hardened place, and that's the ego place. Right. That's the where you, it's really saying me or après moi le déluge after you know, <laughs> like this, all these things, and yeah. and maybe a, a way to think about all the practices we do, whether it be going to praying every day or going on Shabbat or Kabbalat Shabbat. Or kirtan, any of this stuff that is that we all start off as Pharaoh. Yeah, we walk in hardened. The world, especially yeah. on Shabbat, after you've been through a whole work week and you've been yeah. dressed, and we walk in with our. And the question is, can we soften? Can That's we beautiful. can we open it up and make it? That feels like a really great place to sort of draw things to a close. This idea that to to invite in these 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 names uh, as as ways to help us soften our hard hearts and to recognize that spiritual practice can be a real important way of helping us achieve that softness and and help us be better in in relationship both mm. with 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 other other humans in this world and and with 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 something beyond beyond the human any any parting parting thought i mean that's beautiful and it's and, and that, that and taking ownership that we have our pharaohs and we and that we need these practices and yeah. And and uh, but that that I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. Thank you. Great, thank you. It's been great talking to you. You too. To soft hearts. To soft hearts. Thank you for listening to a dash and drush. We will see you next time. <laughs>